0: Good morning, that was a little weak, you want to give it a go again, good morning Walloon Church, that's it, you're awake now, good, Uh, typically we celebrate communion the first uh, Sunday of each month, Pastor Brant willingly when I offered he said yeah, a little much in last Sunday so. We punted, and today we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So thank you for your patience. Uh, Did anybody not get a communion packet? If you could raise up your hand, we'd like to get those to you right now. So uh, got some right down here, uh, some way down here as well. Could use some, Henry, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony all set? Everybody got it? Okay, sweet. I'm reading from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived about a thousand years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And here's what he wrote Isaiah 53, <coughs> excuse me, verses 5 and 6. But Jesus was pierced for our rebellion, Jesus was crushed. For our sins. Jesus was beaten. So we could be whole. Jesus was whipped. So we could be healed. All of us like sheep. Have strayed away. We have left God's path. To follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Jesus. The sins of us all. We remember now. That's what communion is. We remember what Jesus accomplished. For us on the cross. We remember he was pierced with Roman spikes for our rebellion. Jesus was crushed on the cross for our sins. Jesus was beaten, it says, to make us whole. He was whipped so we could be healed from sin. We're all like wandering sheep, aren't we? We've all run away to go do our own thing, to be our own little mini-Gods. But God the Father has laid on Jesus all of our sins. All of our sins. That's why we remember through the Lord's Supper. That's what we're doing right now. Jesus willingly offered his sinless body and allowed his perfect blood to be shed for us. Let's take a few moments now. Let's just quiet our hearts. Bow your heads. That's usually how It works best for most of us. And just remember with me the awesome finished work of Jesus on the cross for you, for me. And let's just take a moment right now to invite Jesus to do a little inspection of our lives very well could be there's sin that you've not yet repented of, there's sin that you've been excusing and shoving under the rug of your life, you've not confessed, you've not gotten clean, Uh, your hands, your feet, your eyes are still dirty, Lord, would you make things clear right now? Convict us, that's what your your book calls it, convict us of sin, and we're not going to Just lay there in the mud and the manure any longer. We're going to do the U-turn and run to the cross. You call it sin. We call it the same thing. We're going to ask that you might wash and cleanse and purify us. We want to be in right relationship with you right now. Mr. Aaron Theodore, if you could make your way down, we'd like you to lead us. In a prayer of thankfulness to Jesus Christ, he willingly offered his sinless body for us. Lead us, would you please? Father God, we thank you that you allowed your body to be broken, abused, beaten. For us, Lord God, and as we take this moment to pause and internalize, to remember the significance of that the implications of it on our life, Lord God, I pray that you would enable it to deeply affect us in the way we live, to live a life for you. Lord God, as we remember what you endured for us to be forgiven, I pray that you would help us to forgive those around us. Lord God, as we remember the depth of your love for us, I pray that you would help us to be a people that love the world around us mm. to some degree that you've loved us first. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you uh, remove that top layer of your packet with me? 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 24. Paul tells us, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Another one of the church elders here at Walloon, Myron Matz. Would you praise the Lord for his willingness to allow his blood to flow on that Roman cross for forgiveness of our sin? Lord, it's uh, hard for us to imagine. Hard for us to imagine, Lord, uh, you leaving the splendor of glory to come down here, as Pastor said, to uh, go on the Roman cross. Lord, if you hadn't come down, Lord, we would be toast. There would have been no hope for us. So thank you for being the perfect sacrifice. As Ben mentioned in earlier in the announcements, Lord, you were the perfect one. So thank you for that. Thank you for allowing, allowing your blood to shed for us. Amen. Amen. Carefully remove that second layer. Again, I encourage you hold on tight to the bottom. So you don't have an explosion. We've had a few of those uh, since we've been using these packets. 1 Corinthians 11.25, Paul explains. In the same manner after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. At the uh, conclusion of this service, the guest service team will be at the doors with offering plates and this is the offering that we use to fund uh, needs for the church family as well as our Community needs ministry as well. So that will be happening at the conclusion of this service. Just want a reminder, this is our last Sunday that we'll be taking book orders. Uh, Some of you have been asking, are they in yet? Um, No, is the the quick answer. Uh, Hopefully, we're, we're hoping most of them will come this week. But if you would like us to order you a book, This is the last call. Uh, Don't don't worry. Um, Amazon has plenty of them, as does Christian book distributors or your favorite place to buy books. So if you don't want to wait for us and them to come in, you're certainly welcome to order them up on Amazon. A couple weeks ago, um, I talked about spending a minute quiet before the Lord, and uh, last week, obviously, Pastor Brant was up and preaching, so I just want to ask, how many of you gave it a try? I I tried for a little bit, okay. Um, I just want to own this. I don't think I explained it very well. I don't think I demonstrated it very well, so we're actually going to take a minute right now and give that another go, okay? So, Pastor Jeff, we're going to give you a mulligan. Uh, that means you get another hit at the ball. So uh, uh, just quiet your hearts. This would be a good way to start the service anyway. Uh, so you just quiet, and I'm going to sit down here, and uh, just kind of put your hands up before the Lord, okay? Quietly, so what you're saying is, Lord, I'm open, I'm ready to receive what you have for me. That, that's the posture, and I'll just share, okay? This is a bit humbling, but every time I go to the bathroom, I try. This is this is me getting reconnected. So that's how often I try. I'm not saying it always happens. Sometimes I'm busy and my head's elsewhere, but that's that's my regular pattern when I go into the bathroom, lock the door, this is me. And just quietly, Lord, Uh, I'm here before you, and I'm drinking from you springs of living water. That's what I tell them. Book of John says that's what the Holy Spirit, living water flows. Lord, Lord, I'm drinking deeply from you. You come take charge. Rule and reign. Help me to think your thoughts with you. We love you, Lord. Thanks for being awesome. Thanks for being willing to take charge of my life. And here's a big one. And Lord, right once again, would you put a guard over my mouth and set a watch over the door to my lips? Or put it into your words. Lord, just put a a big old Jesus-shaped filter on my mouth. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, if you every day start getting reconnected with Jesus... It'll change your life. Every day, if you'll just get in the habit, here I am again, Lord, a bunch of times a day, it'll change you. So we are now in week number four in our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's based on a book by Peter Scazzaro, okay? I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, but it's close, okay? It's in the same zip code. There you go first week we looked at the iceberg, which is the symbol for emotionally healthy spirituality. It, it basically says, uh, Henry, we're all made up of many layers, okay? And just like an iceberg only shows uh, on the surface, only about 10% of what's actually uh, consisting in the iceberg. That's true for us. Only about 10% appears Above the surface of our daily lives. 90% of our lives, I'm convinced, is hidden underneath all you know, the layers, the motives, the fears, the jealousy, the sadness, the anger. Those things usually only surface during moments of stress or pressure. Okay? We saw King Saul is the poster boy of spiritually unhealthy spirituality. Second week, we saw there's no such thing as instant maturity. Okay, You come to faith in Christ. You, you now are a follower of King Jesus. You now are his child, but there's no such thing as instant maturity. That's a process. That's called sanctification. That's called discipleship. Okay, We spend the rest of our lives deleting and erasing the old ways of thinking, our our old patterns of sin, our old selfishness. So we spend the rest of our lives replacing the old lives with our new identity, our new position in Christ. Does that make sense? So now I'm every day deleting and erasing who I used to be, and now I'm adding to my mind who I am now in King Jesus. The, uh, the life of King David, his, his battle with Goliath was our scripture that Sunday. And he had to deal with the obstacles of accusations from his family, remember? They didn't think much of David. He had to deal with the expectations from authority and King Saul. And oh, by the way, the intimidation from his enemy, his name was Goliath, spiritual warfare. Last week, Pastor Brandt dealt with our families of origin, okay? And by the way, he did a great job. Did he not? Yeah, I thought he, yeah. He's, he's off at Lake Ann. He's actually speaking again this weekend. So uh, we saw last week a deeper walk with Jesus requires us to go back in order to go forward. If we're going to go forward in our relationship with Christ, we're going to have to go backward and deal with the stuff that's still affecting us in our today. The Ten Commandments says that the sins of the fathers, the parents, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, third and fourth generations is laid on the children. And I've always thought, well, how fair is that? How fair is that? But actually, the, the Hebrew says it this way. It means consequences that repeat themselves. So it's not like it's um, you, you, just all their sin is laid. What it's saying is when your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents do things, you're likely to repeat them in the next generation's. Consequences that repeat themselves. Things like divorce, alcoholism, addictive behavior, sibling rivalry, pregnancy out of wedlock, sexual abuse. Uh, in, in other words, when, when your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents were involved in sin, you're probably repeating the same sins in your generation. The old saying that... that We talked about he has Jesus in his heart, but grandpa in his bones. It's really true. It really is. We looked at Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, lost a decade of his life in prison. Uh, The challenge we saw in Joseph, he had to grieve the losses, trust that God is leading your life. And Lord, please transform this pain with radical forgiveness. What the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use for good. That was what we looked at last week. This morning, we're going to continue with some more hard stuff, some more hard truth. And I just got to tell you, give me your eyes. Most churches, (laughs) most Christians, uh, they, they don't want to dig down much into the iceberg most places you're you're why because it's hard and what we're going to talk about today is painful and it's messy and, and most people would Nah, I don't think I don't want to talk about I don't want to learn about that so most followers of Jesus hit the wall and we quit and we say no nah, I don't think so I I don't want to go down deeper into my iceberg I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay on the plateau. Uh, I might get a little bitter. I might get a little confused. But I'm not going to go down deep. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm a mess. I can't take it anymore. Okay. I'm arguing most people, most Christians, most followers of Jesus, no, no, it's too hard. I'm not going to deal with that stuff. So I begin... Hopefully this is an encouragement to you, but I'll begin with, with this encouragement i've counted look back at my life all sixty five years. can you believe that? Wow, how did I get old? Um, I can count at least ten walls that I've hit in my ten in my sixty five years ten walls a uh, couple of them I'm still dealing with uh, right now today so What I'm talking about is 10 different times when my world literally got turned upside down. 10 different times I was asking the Lord, Lord, why Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And here is the truth. Every time, Myron, if God had said to me, okay, Jeff, I'll give you a choice, okay? Okay. Uh, You can go through this, and at the end of it, you'll be better and stronger, and you'll grow a lot, and you'll be more like Jesus, or I'll let you off. I promise you, every time I would have said, hard pass, no thank you. No thank you, God. No, uh, I'll I'll just be a little weaker. Uh, No thank you. Uh, I I don't want to go through that wall. But I'm telling you, the walls I've worked through every time, when I look back, I say, Oh, Lord, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for taking me through that wall. You were walking with me. It was awful and painful and messy, and I never would have chosen it. But, Lord, thank you. I'm a better man today that you took me through that wall. Now, this morning... We're going to be in the book of Beginnings, Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to see one of the giants of the Bible trust the Lord through a giant wall. But before we go there, I I thought felt like the Lord is saying, share one of your walls. So this is probably the earliest wall uh, that I can recall. This is decades before four eye surgeries. Scott, this is decades before Triple Bypass. Denise and I were talking uh, about the walls we faced, and she mentioned, you know, that first wall that you slammed into before we even met, um, we wouldn't even be together today if the Lord hadn't presented this wall. And I said, you're you're exactly right. So, here we go. This is the, the wall Denise and I were talking about. I was young, uh, engaged, not to Denise, and not living for Jesus. So that sets the table pretty well. Very young, uh, nineteen twenty, 20, uh, engaged, uh, and not living for Jesus at all. I was arrogant and clueless how to treat a woman, especially how to treat a fiancé. Okay, I was confident that she would never leave me because I was all that and a bag of chips. And, and I'm telling you, she, she had a good deal going on. That's, in my head, that's what was happening until one day she announced that she was breaking up with me, total shock, uh, and handed me back the ring. A few weeks later, she was engaged to someone else who was a friend of mine. A few months later, she was married to that someone else who also once was a friend of mine. Can I just say, ouch, broken, humbled, big time hurt, confusion, my world was shattered. God used this wall to wake me up from my slumber, big time, big time. I wound up uh, going to Bible school instead of going to law school. I wound up on the same worship team as my bride, Denise. I'm just telling you, you, you look back and you go, Lord, thank you for that awful wall. Uh, Would I have chosen to go through this wall 45 years ago? No way. I would not have said, okay, let's do it. But am I grateful today that God in his sovereignty knew what I needed and, and had me go through that wall? Absolutely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay? Walls are hard and painful and humbling, They turn our worlds upside down. But I'm telling you, walls are what the Lord uses to wake us up, to break us, to humble us, and make us usable for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We're in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. This guy named Abraham is going to run into a massive wall And I'm telling you, the Lord we know arranged this wall and he's going to use it powerfully in Abraham's life. If you're able with me, would you please stand? We're going to read Genesis 22, verses 1 through 6. This is God's word. Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, He replied, Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham chopped the wood, placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Let's pray. Lord, uh, truth is, most of us, me included, we don't like pain and hard and messy times. Uh, The truth is, Lord, I, I run a long way away from those things. But you love us so much that you refuse to leave us as emotional babies and selfish in our ways. So, Lord, would you help us this morning to identify the walls that you've put in our lives? Lord, help us to recognize the walls that are in our lives presently today. And Lord, help us to be prepared for the walls that are coming our way. We need your spirit front and center today. As we dig into your word, we we need your word to be clear and sharp and alive in your church. So would you meet us today? And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one welcoming voice, seated. So what's the difference between trials and walls? Trials, Peter Scazzaro, author of the book we're uh, basing this series on, says trials are the stuff of everyday life. It's, uh, it's raining when you want to go and have a picnic or go on the boat or go golfing. uh, Trials are traffic jams, uh, your annoying boss. Trials are you catch the flu, you twist your ankle, uh, you're ready to go on vacation and your flights get delayed. That's trials. Walls are challenges that turn your life upside down. Uh, Walls are things like divorce, Job loss, death of a loved one, chronic illness, a betrayal, shattered dreams, a wayward child, an inability to get pregnant, a total loss of joy. Those are examples of walls. I want you to know before we dig in uh, to Genesis 22, this wasn't Abraham's first wall experience. If you go back in Genesis 12, uh, when the Lord calls Abraham, he basically says, Abraham, I want you to go. And he says, where am I going? I'll show you. And basically he he turns away and leaves his family, his friends, um, everything he knows. And he says, I just want you to leave, Abraham. Go. I'm going to show you. That would be his first wall. Second wall, Genesis 13, Abraham is a wall experiences with his nephew Lot. And if you can read this next week, you're welcome to it. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he gives Lot the best, and Lot chooses poorly. That's, that's a wall experience. Genesis 16, Abraham's wife Sarah can't have a baby. She's infertile. And... Uh, Abraham and Sarah take matters into their own hands, you may recall. They have a child with their servant Hagar, and that wall goes poorly. And in Genesis 21, Abraham winds up sending Hagar and the son he loved, Ishmael, so much away. Um, And that's still playing out today, by the way. What's going on? In the Middle East today, between uh, Israel and the Palestinians, that's still the war today between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac. So that stuff still plays on today. Back to the text. We're in Genesis 22. Abraham is facing a massive wall here. Okay, The Lord is testing Abraham's faith. I can't imagine a tougher test. I can't imagine a more awful test. Look at verse 2, Genesis 21. Take your son of promise, Isaac, whom you love so much, go and sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering in the land of Moriah. Pause. Note this. God never tempts us to sin. God never tempts us to sin. James 1, verses 13 to 15, you can write that down, look at it later. God never tempts us to sin. But the Lord does test us. That's what's going on. This is a test so we can learn to trust him more so that Abraham could grow and be blessed and draw closer in his relationship with Jehovah God. This is a test. Now, we just read the boy Isaac is old enough to carry the wood, okay? So he's not a toddler or a baby. Isaac is old enough, likely a young adolescent or an early teen. Think 10 to 13 years old, okay? That's what most commentators think. So Isaac is an adolescent boy, and his father is an old man. And I think we can say that pretty honestly. Abraham was how old when Isaac was born? Anybody remember? 100 years old. Okay, So he's 110 plus here when he's asked to go and sacrifice your boy. Which means uh, the boy, I think we can safely say, could outrun dad. Would you not agree? If if Isaac didn't want to be caught, he wasn't going to catch him. Okay? So that means Isaac is trusting the Lord here as well. Back to the text. As the two of them walked on together, verse 6, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father... Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire. We have the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? How could he be carrying fire? Probably a lamp. Okay? So we got the fire. We got the wood. uh, But where's the sheep? Isaac knows something is strange here. He's probably been with his dad many times when Abraham offered sacrifices. So they'd take wood, they'd build an altar, they would slit the lamb's throat, sorry, uh, that's the way it is, let the blood drain out, chop the lamb into pieces, roast it on the fire, as a burnt offering to the Lord. Hey, Dad, (laughs) I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the knife, Where's the lamb? <laughs> Back to the text, verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Can you imagine Abraham here right now? Imagine the fear and the faith that were buzzing around in Abe's head. Hebrews 11:19 Hebrews 11:19 tells us Abraham figured even if he killed his son Isaac, since the Lord gave him Isaac at a 100 years old, if God's in this, then he's going to raise Isaac back from the dead. That was what was going on in Abraham's head. But can you imagine the trauma in Isaac? <laughs> okay, Seeing dad lift up the knife and now he's about to kill him. How much Christian counseling did Isaac have to have How many years was he going to have to talk to the counselor to get over the nightmares of his dad just about to kill him? Verse 11. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Uh, Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld him from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up, saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. To this day, People still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Always does. Let's put that picture. I, I think we have it. This is a, a really famous picture. Uh, it was a, a painting done by Rembrandt of this it's called the Sacrifice of Isaac and uh, I love when I look at this the relief in Abraham's eyes when he realizes the angel has stopped him from killing his son and suddenly now the Lord's going to provide another way another way this was the biggest the greatest wall that Abraham ever had to face this was the wall And he went through that wall with faith and confidence. Abraham believed that the same God who gave him Isaac at age 100 and gave his wife Sarah Isaac at age 90, that same God gave his one and only son Isaac, could be trusted now. Even he didn't understand it. He didn't like it. But he knew God could be trusted. Chapter 22, verse 15, and Jehovah promises to bless Abraham because of his obedience here. He says, you, you did it. You, you passed the test, and like the sand on the seashore, like, like the stars in the sky, chapter 22, verse 18, slide down. Abraham, all the nations on earth are going to be blessed because of your example. Please understand this, but first, Abraham had to go through the wall. You understand? All of that blessing, all of the example, had to happen after Abraham went through the wall. I want to put a graph up here, okay? Um, the graph explains, I think, very well our journey in the discipleship process, okay? This is our journey with Jesus, okay? Um, You'll see it begins with stage one when we become followers of Jesus. And hopefully some of you could stand and you could share your story, how Jesus became your Savior and your Lord, okay? This is believing, receiving. Then you get to stage two, And I would call that discipleship, okay? That's when we start learning and growing. We begin to understand who we are in Christ. We start deleting and erasing the old lies, the old selfishness, and now we begin understanding who we are in Jesus Christ. Stage three, the third stage, okay? That's the active stage. That's when you be- discover your sweet spot, your gifts. You start serving and you start um, actually getting in the game and-, and serving Jesus and his kingdom. Does that make sense? So that's all outward stuff, but here's the point of this graph, okay? Then you'll notice the wall. And it almost always happens now. We've become a follower of Jesus. I'm starting to understand who I am. I'm in the game. I'm using my gifts. And now I've hit a wall. And Peter, and I, I agree with him, says about 85% of Christians in churches like ours are stuck at the wall. About 85% of us, We hit the wall. We hit an Abraham-type experience. And suddenly now, I don't think I can go any further, okay? And we get stuck in our Christian faith. And we're just, we we are a follower of Jesus. And and I know some stuff in my head. And and I'm serving, but now I'm stuck. Why is that? Because stage four is eternal internal stuff it's what Jesus does inside of us it's the work that Christ begins to do down below the surface down deep in the iceberg that is you that is me okay that's the hard work that most of us would prefer not to do okay it's where the love of Jesus Christ begins to penetrate our private, deep-down worlds, okay? Here's the truth. Give me your eyes. But to get to level four, we're going to have to deal and work through some walls. The Lord is going to present some things in order for you to go forward. You're going to have to go through. Like Abraham, you're going to have to deal with some hard stuff. You're going to have to lose a fiancé to a friend. You're going to have to have a friend who betrays you. You're going to have to have some serious health situations. You're going to have to lose a job after years and feel betrayed. You're going to have to lose a loved one who dies far too early. There's lots of different walls, but I promise you, to keep growing, the Lord's going to use walls in your life. At walls, we start asking hard questions, okay? Okay? Here's the questions, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? (laughs) Lord, why am I facing the fourth eye surgery in a year? Lord, if you still love me, why aren't you blessing me? This doesn't feel like a blessing. This feels like you're mad at me. And for a long time, here's what I said, Lord, I thought we had a deal. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Lord, I'm gonna do it your way. Um, I'm gonna show up in church. I'll be regular. Um, I'm gonna get baptized. Um, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna find a place to serve. Um, I'm gonna read your book. I'm gonna pray, and then in return, you don't let bad stuff happen to me. Okay? That was my unspoken agreement with God. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm yours. I'm your man. Uh, but but then you do your part and you protect me from bad stuff. And then the bad stuff comes and you go, oh, that's, that's why we get stuck. I don't get it. I, I'm upset. And we sit and we stew and we sour and we get bitter and we go, Lord, why, why are you allowing? Let me go back with you. Let's look at Genesis 22. Abraham's blessing came after he went through the wall of obedience. After he surrendered Isaac back to the Lord, that's when the Lord said, Okay, now I'm going to give you the most amazing blessings, and now I know you can be trusted. Do you remember Jesus in the garden? Okay, And he's facing the wall, the greatest wall ever, called the cross. Jesus said to the Father, Not my will, Father. What's the rest of it? But your will be done. Can, can I say that's surrender? That's willing to be humbled. That's willing to be broken. Jesus, I yield. I surrender my life to you. That, that's, that's how you deal with walls. Okay, it, It's stage four. Look at it with me. It's a journey inward. It's where we begin to allow Jesus to do serious heart surgery. It's where my relationship with Jesus grows and deepens. And I'm telling you, I I take responsibility for my faith. I take responsibility for daily abiding and connecting and walking with Jesus. It's going from being a child in your faith to being a young adult in your faith. That's, that's the transition. But it only happens with walls. Stage five, there's a renewed sense of God's acceptance, a sense of calling, a sense of concern for others. I'm no longer concerned so much about what you think about me because my identity, I'm accepted, I'm loved because of who I am in my daily walk with Jesus. Stage six, I think stage six, most of the time, um, that's not something we ever reach fully. Only Jesus fully, every day, every moment, was filled with his spirit. None of us arrive here fully, but we're daily becoming more and more like Jesus. There's regular obedience, there's regular commitment. This is where other people look at you and see Jesus in you regularly. Okay, Now, here's, here's the point. If Peter is correct, and 85% of us are stuck at the wall, um, we're a little ticked. Lord, why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing this pain? We're confused. Lord, I thought people who loved you and served you and did it your way I thought that you didn't have messes like this. I I thought you prevented um, all of the ugliness. Listen close. Please know this. Jesus isn't mad at you. You have to understand he's not upset. He's not angry at you. Jesus loves us enough, catch this, to strip away the selfishness that built up in Jeff. Jesus loves us to to strip away the pride. He pulls out the greed, the envy, the impatience. We could go on. You understand? The ugly stuff. Jesus loves us enough to allow bad stuff to happen to us so he can work his good stuff in us. And that's the only way it happens. He's purging our palates. He's, He's purging our taste buds. And he's saying taste and see. I'm good. It's hard, yes, but I'm really good. And I'm going to get you through this really hard wall situation. I like how Peter says it in his book. Our faith is not in our love for Jesus. Our faith is not in our love for Jesus. Why not? Because our love is frail and faulty and fickle. Instead, our faith is in Christ's love for us. The love of Jesus for us is steadfast, persevering, it's strong. It's strong. Here's what I want you to know. On the other side of the wall, <laughs> there's really good stuff. My friends, hang in there, keep going. Stay with Christ through your wall. Hold on tight. Galatians 2:20: "My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Broken, humbled, often confused people, I'm telling you, the Lord loves you enough to walk you through some really hard walls. I'm telling you, it, why? Why? Because it's only through the walls that we're going to grow, and be humbled, and broken, and usable for Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, <laughs> get us through the wall. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes, Lord. Uh, I confess that I don't even like this subject. <laughs> but it's a subject that we all need to know about. We don't like pain. We don't like trouble. We don't like heartache and problems. But Lord, in your immense sovereignty and wisdom, you know these walls are good for us. Would you help us to believe that? Some of my friends right now today are facing A big wall would you teach us to hold on tight to trust you to stay committed to walking with you and hold on to your unwavering strong love for us Lord any of my friends right now who are in the middle of a wall situation whether they're watching online or whether they're here in person, Lord, help us to know and believe there's life and blessing and even joy on the other side of the wall. Help us to trust your plan, even the painful, heartache, confusing parts. And it could be you're here and you're in the middle of a wall, but you don't even know the good shepherd who will walk through your wall with you. All humans face wall experiences. How sad to have to face a wall and you don't have Jesus with you, that good shepherd to walk through your wall with you. So are you open to inviting the good shepherd into your life? Aren't you weary of walking through life without the giver of life? You need to know Jesus is knocking right now at the door of your heart. Stage one is opening the door and letting him in. John 1.12, but to all who believe Jesus and accepted Jesus, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. do you believe in Jesus today? Open the door and invite him in. Watching online, hit that prayer button. We'll have a personal conversation with you. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. We'll celebrate and and walk you into that relationship. Thank you, Lord, for working strong and hard, even maybe especially when we don't like it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.